Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Welcome into Grapple Talk, everyone. My name is Nick Ragnar, joined by Jesse Von Rudin for a, another episode of your flagship GT. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Did I already say that? Which part? Thank you all so much for joining us. I feel like I've said no. that three times now in no, the past 30 no, seconds. No, 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 no. You only said it maybe twice in the last 30 seconds. We've been sitting here uh, with our headsets on, uh, mm-hmm. mics in our faces, talking about just like life and different things that actually somewhat relate to wrestling for like uh, about an hour, like what, an yeah, hour now? Take, I think some of our best stuff has actually been pre-podcast. Yeah, days. but I don't think I think I don't yeah. think that we can actually air any of it. But, no, uh, no, we can't. But, uh, but we tend to do that quite a bit. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if maybe it's because even – well, we just hung out this weekend. But I don't yeah. know if it's partially because – Honestly, sometimes I just like talking into these mics. Like, I just it's <laughs> enjoyable to have conversations with the the headsets. Yeah, on. I think it's one of those things too. It kind of loosens uh, us up for like the the impending conversation about wrestling, <gasps> especially <gasps> especially when it comes <gasps> to like you know WWE. Hey. And right now, we're not really enjoying the WWE products, so <gasps> it, it kind of actually makes the experience a little bit more fun. Hey, we actually have some pretty good stuff that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. I think it actually might get a little heated between us. I think we have some disagreements. I'm just making that up. Who knows what'll happen? Oh, who knows? Uh, but Jesse, you know, uh, it's been a while since we last uh, conversed, at least through the Grapple Talk channels. Obviously, yes. we just hung out this past weekend, had some brews, had a good time down at Riverfest yep. uh, for the most part. And uh, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm, I finally got through the G1 special. Did you actually get a chance to watch the whole I G1? watched uh, a few of the matches. I didn't watch everything. That's typical how I watch New Japan nowadays. You know, on a card, it, like, it was a very entertaining card. But there was a little couple things that came out of that card that actually got a lot of people talking. And they're going to be kind of like topics that we're going to be talking about on the on the podcast today. And one of them, of course, we had, we almost had to start it off right away, right? Hiromu Takahashi breaking his neck. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been it's all of a sudden it's a hot button topic again in the in the world of professional wrestling about injuries right. and how maybe they should start cutting out dangerous moves and Nick I almost gotta wonder if like some of that is just like where where do you you know set the line number one with New Japan when it comes to dangerous moves. And number two, how do you compare that with WWE, where it seems like people get injured all the fucking time? It's so weird to think about, isn't it? Because yeah. I think uh, a lot of times what you look at, like especially when you see this move that Takahashi did, a lot of people were pointing to that this is just kind of this dude's style. Like He's been doing these mm-hmm. crazy-ass bumps for the longest time. I think it's one of the reasons why he has the name recognition that he does. And we've seen this maneuver multiple times, and I mean, it's never... It doesn't usually end up the way that it did. Um, and I think it's just an unfortunate scene. I think in the day and age that we live in now where the video can be easily shared and everybody and anybody can see it, especially mm-hmm. those from all spectrums, right? From the two guys on Grapple Talk to the, you know, fucking little Jimmy and little Susie that watch WWE on Monday nights. Like, everybody has access to what yeah. happened to fucking Hiromu at, at uh, the G1 special. And, you know, I, I think that's just kind of the difference in culture, right? Because when you look at WWE, somebody made a great point about this. They're like, well, you know... People need to be more safe when they're in the ring and not doing that. It's like, yeah, well, uh, you know, maybe wrestlers shouldn't be working in WWE 300-plus days a year because that also cannot be healthy, no. you know, by any means. So I think that a lot of what that was and a lot of what uh, what had happened is that I think we just unfortunately lost uh, a really, really bright star for New Japan Pro Wrestling off of uh, 
what many would consider to be, yeah, a dangerous move. But I think when you look at anything in WWE these days and, and professional wrestling in general, a lot of the things that we're still seeing are dangerous. I mean, Jesus Christ, you think about like boots to the face for the longest time and, and different uh, different maneuvers, right, in WWE, including like the curb stomp. That was banned for a, an extended period of time. At, at first, the styles clashed. They thought that that was going to be banned for a while. Like I think it had something along the lines like Vince didn't even know exactly what that maneuver was or uh, something styles along that. Clash? What do you mean? What do you do? But I think that's I think that's a big portion of it. I think a lot of people are kind of blowing it out of proportion right now mm-hmm. and saying that we need more safety in wrestling, right? And I do agree with that to an extent. There's sometimes some things that I see that I'm like, oh my god, I cannot believe that that was that was done. But I mean, these are guys that are willing to put their bodies on the line um, to hopefully make a name for themselves in this industry. So you can liken it to a number of different things. I think it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, again, if you know, this were to happen on a smaller scale, would we be talking about it today? Probably not. You know, that's a good point. You know, um, I'm really kind of thinking about it because, like, when you look at the move, it's it's very much just it's basically a belly to belly, but almost like a like a capture belly to belly. So Harumu had his legs wrapped around Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee had his arms as well, and the combination of like the snap and him not getting over basically planted him, punted him right into the canvas. Um, I have to give kudos to both, like, Dragon Lee and the referee for the matchup because right away they checked on Hiromu. Like, right away. And it became one of those things where I don't even know if, like, he suffered a concussion. They haven't talked about that part yet. They did talk about the fact that he was diagnosed with a broken neck. We don't know the severity of that because when you say a broken neck... It can mean so many different it can things. Be, it could be anywhere from... Paralysis to... Paralysis to, Kurt to, Angle like, be wrestling at the fucking a broken freaking neck, yeah, you know? broken freaking neck. Um, so, like, there hasn't really been anything really kind of released on that. You know, we did hear Hiromu's back in Japan. He's seeking treatment now. Um, you know, best case scenario, he's going to be out maybe up to a year. Yep. Which, you know, it sucks because he's one of your budding stars, and you want to have your budding star around. Um, but it wasn't as severe... You know, it wasn't as severe of a broken neck as, like... Uh, Yoshitashi, when he broke his neck in a Styles Clash, you yeah, know, right. you know, so it wasn't that bad. Um, and it wasn't one of those things where he lost like feeling anywhere. You know, it was just very much like just a break. But at the same time, though, I was like, holy shit, the dude finished the match. Right. Like, they could have called that match at any time. And like the sequence of moves afterwards that he after they finished. What the fuck? If you haven't yeah. heard about what we're exactly talking about, there's there's two guys in Japan. I think that we do have a number of listeners that actually don't yeah. watch any sort of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling had a show um, in Long Beach, right? Uh, uh, San Francisco, San, California. Whatever. Yep. Yeah, close enough. Um, their G1 special. So, again, one of their very select shows in the Americas. And at the time, they were airing this on <laughs> Access TV. In the Americas. I in love the how- Americas. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the proper way to say it. But anyway, so then uh, there was, as Jesse explained, kind of a if, – if you – you can probably find it anywhere. Oh, Just yeah. search, you know, Hiromu, Takahashi, whatever. It'll be one of the first things that you see come up. Um, but, but again, you know, when I think about this, and now now you kind of open up the realm of, of let's just talk about this a little bit, and this isn't stuff that we've necessarily even prepped, but you talk about this and how it relates to different things happening in different sports. You know, let's just be honest about it. You know, wrestling has a little bit of danger to it. Regardless right. of what you do, you could you could suplex somebody yep. and they could land wrong and break their leg. They, you, you could mm-hmm. you could fucking Roman Reigns could do a Superman punch. Whoops, I accidentally actually hit you in the face and I just knocked you out and knocked out a couple of your teeth. You, like you anything can, could you happen. Can try to, you can try to hit a guy in the head with a sign and hit him in the bottom end of the fucking pointed sign and almost take out his eye. Nice. Yeah, that yeah. actually happened recently. In you know, that, that is definitely true. But like even like on the local level, like we saw... One of the first matches in ACW, we ended up having a broken neck situation. 
Um, and it was on a, a move that almost everyone has in their repertoire. Right. It, you know, it was a DDT. Right. So when you're looking at injury risk is always going to happen in the sport of professional wrestling. Right. That is just the way it kind of goes. It's uh, it's an injury risk with anything from basketball to baseball to football. One of the most gruesome injuries that happened last year was Gordon Hayward breaking his ankle. Right. Like, he just came down on it, and he broke his ankle. No more dunks. No more dunks. Let's outlaw the slam dunk. In <laughs> basketball, we cannot leave our feet. But, you know, you're going to have gruesome injuries like that. And that's just just part of the innate risks that you take being an athlete. Here's what I have a question about, and I think this is an interesting yeah, sure. discussion topic. But when you look at wrestling, and sometimes I've been thinking about this lately. You look at football, right? Uh-huh. Um, right now, football is celebrated, uh, you know, national football, you know, in America. Mm-hmm. North America, damn it, Jesse. United when you look at when States you when you America. look at North American football, yeah, yeah. Um, right now it's celebrated as being one of the top, you know, entertainment sports, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's just that. It's like yeah. the biggest thing in America. We celebrate the Super Bowl like we celebrate fucking Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like yes. it's a holiday at this point. Um, and I've been thinking about it lately, and I'm like, man, you know, in a hundred to hundred and fifty years. Is there a possibility that between that time, football is completely eradicated and we look back on our time and going, that was kind of savage. Like, you know, people with, you know, with the CTE talks and all yep. the injuries and people doing these different things to their bodies, having these short careers, not having long-term disability and whatever through the NFLPA. Um, you know, and I look at this and I and I look at wrestling as, and is there an opportunity that something like that could present itself as well? I mean, is this, is this realm of physical sports where people are putting their – Honestly, sometimes their livelihoods on the line. Is it something that in a hundred years, after all these studies have been done and brain tests have been done, is it something that we could be looking back on in a hundred years, a century, whatever, and going, you know, wow, I can't believe that uh, humans were doing that kind of stuff to each other? <laughs> I think it's just an interesting discussion topic. I, I, I really I do. I think it is, but at the same time, though, it's like, man, you know, there's always inherent risk to anything, right? You know, from there's always going to be that inherent risk. So when you sign up for something, doesn't matter what it is. Like even when, like, let's say hypothetically you're working at a factory, right? Right. It could be one of the safest fucking workplaces on the planet. But there's always inherent risks to anything. Like I work at a TV station. In a hundred years, it could be like, well, working at a TV station was really bad because of all the radiation from the the TV monitors and stuff like that. Right. And motherfucker, you got cancer. Right. You got cancer on cancer. You got all the kind of cancers. Right. You know. So to go back in hindsight and be like, wow, why the fuck do we do that? It's like. In the moment, you don't give a shit. You know, like, for football, it's a moneymaker. It's a moneymaker for the owners. Players don't get paid enough. You know, hopefully in the next collective bargaining agreement, they actually make more money. Because, like, but that's just the way it is. But then again, this is going to be a whole different conversation about, like, <laughs> the workforce of the NFL comparison with the workforce for, let's say, the NBA, where there's a less of a workforce, so each player is actually worth more. That's a different story for a different day. But I don't think anyone's ever really kind of thought about that way. But it seems like every time there's an injury in pro wrestling, we always have the discussion whether or not there is too many high-risk maneuvers, pe- are people trained well, or is there no going back from this? When you, when you think about it, a guy like Harumu Takahashi, his style is definitely high-risk, but he has some of the best trainers in the world. They spend countless hours in the dojo actually protecting themselves from neck injuries. So they build up their necks. They, they bridge. They do all that shit. They stretch out before matches. Like, if that would have been an indie match, anywhere on the fucking planet, that dude would have been dead. Right. Just going to say that much. Hormuz a very highly trained professional. And the fact that he actually got some attention right away, they went in, they iced his neck, they took care of him. 
even like some people like they might like shit on just like oh they're going in and just icing the neck for show. It's like, but at least they're giving their athletes like some fucking attention. So let's discuss this one really yeah. quick. So we look at what New Japan Pro Wrestling did, and I, I I'm kind of on the stance right now that mm-hmm. sometimes things just happen, right? Yeah. And I, and I and I don't know if that's the right. You know, there's a ton of different viewpoints that you can have, and it's like you look at that, and 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 you look at uh, and you look at the thing that happened with Shibata, and you're just kind of like, what's right, what's wrong? But at the end of the day, you know, Takahashi's been wrestling for a long time, and this is probably you know as far as a career threatening injury. This is this is this is it, but. When we look at New Japan in general, I think nowadays we can somewhat compare them to being an international brand. Like they yes. they may be behind WWE, but there's no denying that they are a player in the professional wrestling game. And at what point, looking at New Japan, because I think we can both admit they have quite a, a different quote unquote style than WWE. They are they mm-hmm. are definitely more willing to to to, to kind of add that high risk element. At what point does a move like an exploder belly suplex, you know, you look at that as a promoter or as an owner or as a manager, whatever their titles are there, and you go, you know what? Is that move worth continuing to allow our wrestlers to do, um, you know, over just saying, you know what, if you guys are going to do something like that, do a belly to belly or figure out a different way to get people mm-hmm. get people engaged. You know, what, what do you what, what is your kind of viewpoint on that? Just being um, uh, an international brand where you have you have the risk now of, mm-hmm. of this happening. And uh, with people like me and you and other national podcasts talking about the the danger that might come with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think each performer, they. Well, think about this. Like each performer takes their career into their own hands. It takes their opponent's career into their own hands. So really, I th- I think it ends up being on the, the performers, not so much the office. Because if you look at it, right, how is that move any more different than any type of like screwdriver, like a Steiner screwdriver, right? Vertical suplex into a fucking pile driver. You know, like the only thing that's really kind of protecting you at that point in time, as you're coming down fucking head first into the canvas, the only thing that's protecting you the really performer. is is the other performer. You look at the uh, like the tombstone pile driver, right? The tombstone pile driver might be one of the few pile drivers still used in WWE. It's used quite a bit in New Japan. Um, but so isn't the pile driver. Like that's still used quite a bit. There's a lot of different moves being used both in Japan, in Mexico, on in the Indies and stuff like that where the injury risk is always going to be there. Like I started like there was a deep dive the other day and I started going through shit. Just like Viral videos going out for like you know wrestling shit, especially in the last like four or five days. There's been a few. So there was the uh, the pounce over there in Empire State Wrestling. Where the dude gets fucking launched out of the ring. Yep. Now as cool of a fucking spot as that, because I've never seen it in my life though, like the injury risk to that fucking guy had to be catastrophic. So you're you're on okay. the so let me let me understand where you're coming from though your your yep. viewpoint isn't necessarily that it's on the promotion I don't think it's on the promotion it's on this so when these guys are talking about this yep. it's like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking toss you out of the ring yep. or whatever it's on that guy to go you know what dude I don't really feel like exactly. dying exactly well think about this right so if if the whole brotherhood thing is supposed to be watching out for one another so if you're on an indie show and a dude's like I'm gonna fucking pounce you over the top rope and you're gonna hit the steel guardrail how you feel about that I mean I'd be like well you know ugh, I'll be on internet famous you know. That'd be cruel. That's fine. That's on those guys. I don't think the promoter went up and be like, hey, guys, we need a new viral video here. It's been like, you know, it's been a hot minute since we had one. There was another one of a dude getting gorilla pressed into a concrete pillar from the ring. And, like, the pillar is probably about. That one. Oh, I'll show you the link. He's about, like, 15 feet away from the ring. Gets thrown like Spike Dudley by Bam Bam Bigel right Jesus. into this concrete pillar. 
Um, there was one of the other ones that came really famous this past week was just a little bit of showmanship, not such a dangerous move, but a little bit of showmanship with the, uh, the moonwalk DDT, you know, it's like, no, people were shitting on that one. Yeah, I know. But at the same time though, there's like, there's so much shit out there for wrestlers. They're, they're stretching the limit of their fucking artistic abilities at this point in time. So there is going to be instances where people break their neck. Look at this, like fucking... Even go back in the day, like Bruno Sano San Martino broke his neck on a body slam. Right. On a fucking body slam. You know, like, accidents fucking happen in pro wrestling. That's what happens in pro wrestling. But what needs to happen in pro wrestling to maybe kind of curb it or whatever is just guys saying, like, we don't need to do that. Right. It's it's up to the fucking individual performers right. to be like, no, dude, I don't feel safe about that. I don't feel cool about that. Staying on the track of safety. Yeah. Um, Another big topic coming from New Japan that I think I, I would hope a lot of the listeners can kind of, you know, roll with this on this one because I think this is, again, a topic that almost actually exceeds what New Japan's show was, and that was um, the uh, rib injury to, to Jim Ross. So for those of you that don't know, Jim Ross and uh, Josh Barnett do yep. play-by-play for New Japan Pro Wrestling for Access TV. Yep. Um, and typically how they do things is that New Japan World obviously has Kevin Kelly and uh, Don, Callis. Don Callis that do the play-by-play for their live shows. But for the for the, for the the shows in North America, typically what they'll do is they'll actually air it live on Access opposed to rebroadcasting on Access, meaning JR and Josh Barnett are actually the live commentators, the live play-by-play guys. So during the um, Jay White match, um, Jay White and Juice Robinson. They actually Excellent match, fun match. Go watch it. So basically, what they did was uh, it was it was like a suplex, right? Yeah, it was like a snap suplex into the guardrail. Um, Jay White gave it to um, you know Juice Robinson. Jr. is sitting at the table, and the guardrail is in front of the table. So when Juice hit the guardrail, the guardrail hit the table, and the table like Jr. is really like very much like belly up on it. Table goes, it hits him in the ribs. He flips back over. Um, it ended up being one of the most. It, w- it was kind of... <laughs> it's probably the most talked about moment of the it entire night. It is one of the most talked about moments of the night because, like, honestly, it ends up being unintentionally funny at one point because... It was kind of hilarious. Because, like, JR just goes head over heels. Evan Barnett's like, oh, you done fucked up. And it ended up being, like, probably, like, the coolest angle that could have come out of it because at some point in time, if I was New Japan, I'd be like, let's get fucking Barnett. Well, let's the- talk about that for a okay. real quick sec, right? Yeah. Okay. Before we talk about JR and how he's kind of reacted mm-hmm. to everything, yeah. Josh Barnett, I, I just don't... I know everybody, and we've seen it multiple times. Dave uh-huh. Meltzer's reported it. Josh Barnett's commented on it. Jim Ross has commented on it. It's not a work. But Jesus, that was so over-theatric yeah. that it almost seemed like it had to be a fucking work. It, you know, Why would he, and knowing and being yeah. a part of the business, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's an accident. They didn't intentionally try yep. to knock you guys over. So why is he chasing them off and getting into the ring and taking... You know, all of the heat off of the match. It's like, why would he do that? Unless it's a work. Okay, because, like, you know why? Because the uh, the new work is actually, it was, the, what was the fucking, the line? I um, want to go on record and say I think it's a work. I, I still think so, too. I, I think the, the, the new shoot is the old work, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, you make a situation feel real, but it's completely worked, right. you know? So, like, that works right there. But, you know, kudos to, like, JR. So he ends up breaking a rib in this situation. Finishes up the fucking broadcast, which included Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and a fucking Bullet Club angle right. that ate up a fucking hour of that show. Yeah, they really yeah, did. No, and he called the rest of the show with a broken fucking rib. Kudos to him on that one. I know he took, a, he took a lot of shit for that broadcast, and rightfully so, because 
it was not the best JR we've probably heard in like years, you right. know. But at the same time, though, it's like one of those things where it's like, man, you 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 fucking blew up on me on, on Facebook Messenger with yeah. like your JR rant, you know, which, you know, I, I think it's warranted. I think a lot of it's warranted. Like the dude just. For a guy who sits there in the studio who does voiceover work for New Japan on, on Access Television, for him not to do, like, certain things to get certain storylines or get the fucking nuance of the characters or the fucking names right, like, Jesus. I think I think at yeah. some point, you know, and I, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today, and I think... But then again, it's like a fucking five-hour broadcast. Jesus, fuck. It's really, 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 really difficult to, to hate on a guy like JR. I mean, everything that he's had to go through. I mean, yeah. the tragic passing of his wife. I mean, oh, Jesus, totally. listen to his podcast. He doesn't yeah. not talk about it, which... Oh, you're, you're never going to get over... Sounds bad never, that I'm saying that, but dude, it's... Dude, you don't get over shit like that. Yeah, that's... It's, yeah. I mean, just kill on a moped and get... I mean, that's just, that's just crazy stuff. Um... But when you when you look at Jr., you know I I for me personally I grew up in the Attitude Era, so Jr. was literally the voice of my childhood. Mm-hmm. I had a fucking Jr. action figure my God. that when I used to play with my figures, I would sit him outside of the ring and pretend that he was play by playing. It was <laughs> it's it's a fucking real thing, yeah. You know, but I talked to you earlier, and I I told you, man, I'd be lying if I said that I'm just not more and more disappointed every single time, even on WWE broadcasts. Yeah. Now, you can you can point that to multiple things. Maybe it's because JR doesn't work well with multi-man booths. I don't know exactly what the reason is, but WWE broadcasts, when he should know exactly what's going on and not have as difficult as of a transition in New Japan, he still can't seem to get it together. And you look at New Japan. I I remember the first show they did in America where they yeah. where he had to do the, the live commentary. It was uh, last one, last year's G1 special. People were just shitting on it. I mean, he was calling dudes wrong names. I'm pre- at one point, I think he didn't know what the Bucks' names were correctly. He was calling Matt, you know, Nick and Nick <laughs> Matt. I mean, it was just a big ordeal. He was saying fucking moves wrong. He didn't understand a lot of the storylines. It was just, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And and it's like he didn't. And I think part of it too, probably he's not on the road, not as heavily invested in the product as he was during the Attitude Area, and it's hard to have the expectation that he's going to be as good as that. But we talked about it. I said, dude, at this point, at this time and moment, there are a number of play-by-play guys that I would rather have way more than Jr. And I think at some point we need to stop giving guys free passes, you know? Because sure, they were great a long time ago, but at this moment, he's just not good for that product. Absolutely not. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, it's like. JR is probably, I would go down and, and say this, he's probably at one time the greatest play-by-play guy in the history of professional wrestling broadcasting. And that's saying a lot. There's been so many fucking good ones from Gordon Soleil to Lance Russell, Joey Styles, Mauro Ranello. Like, he's really covering out a niche. Like, Kevin Kelly's coming on. Like, Kevin Kelly's doing a fucking good yeah, job right now. Um, but it's also one of those things where broadcasters, there is also a shelf life. And as a guy, I, I grew up listening. My my guys were Gorilla and Bobby. Like, those are my guys. I loved up. Gorilla. I loved Gorilla. You know, but at the same time, though, it's like there's a shelf life. Like, guys can can do it for a certain amount of time. But when when you become, like, the voice of a product, you know, like, JR is really good about saying this one. He's It's very much the commentators are there to provide the lyrics to the music that the wrestlers are doing. So when when – when you're a musician and you're composing lyrics for songs and stuff like that, if there is a heavy burden in your fucking heart, like you're not going to get the best lyrics for that song, no matter what. Maybe it's one of those things with JR. He, maybe he's beyond wrestling right now. 
maybe like he's using this to try to deal with other fucking shit, and it's just not working. Yeah, and and I, maybe it's one of those things right now, like it's affecting his performance and shit like that. I'm not making fucking excuses. Probably just affecting his performance nonetheless. But he's also getting up there in age. It happened to fucking Gordon Soleil. Gordon Soleil won the best all time, fucking best. When the product changed, he could not change with the fucking product. And he dipped into a lot of alcoholism. The dude was fucking fucked up for a lot of shoots. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to get away at some point in time. And JR has been doing this wrestling fucking thing for, Jesus Christ, 40 fucking years. You know, one guy who actually took a lot of time off and is actually coming back reinvigorated is Tony Schiavone. Yeah. He took off 15 fucking years. Yeah. And he's actually doing some really good shit right now. Maybe JR just needs to step away from wrestling. I think, he, and then that's the thing about JR. I'm not saying too. forever. Uh, I'm just saying for a little bit. Well, and obviously he's yeah. a talent. I mean, he wouldn't be in the spot that he is if he no. just wasn't talented, a talented individual, right? If he didn't have the potential to be doing what it is that he's doing, it's not like it's all just tied to play by play. I mean, the guy was involved. He always reminds us. Remember Jesse? Yeah. I, got, I found Brock Lesnar and I found Kurt Angle. Blah blah blah. Every podcast he says <laughs> that. I swear to fucking God. Yeah. I had to delete his podcast because I was like, if I hear him talk about Brock and Kurt one more oh, fucking geez. time, yeah. I am going to lose my shit so i had and to almost lose your shit almost every day but again yeah yeah you know the guy obviously has has talent he he's mm-hmm. fucking jim ross but when it comes to play-by-play i'm sorry but at some point you know when you it's it's almost like people give michael cole and again he's, he's over you know he's oversaturated we see michael cole way too much but people give him so much shit for you know taking away from the product and plugging this and plugging that and nicknames you look at Jared. Okay, we don't have a lot of New Japan pro, you know, fucking wrestling fans that listen to this podcast. But you go watch the G One special from either last year or this year, mm-hmm. and oh my god, the commentary at times is so bad that it literally takes away from the great wrestling action that's happening in the ring. Yeah, it's almost it's like counterproductive, you know. And it's cool. It's like oh, we have fucking, you know, we have we have Jr. You know, it's it's almost like right now in the NBA, people are like, well, you know, the Houston Rockets are like, fuck, man, we're gonna bring in Carmelo Anthony, and it's like. Yeah, maybe 10 years ago, Carmelo Anthony would have been a great addition. And at this point, it's cool to say that Carmelo's on your roster because now you have another bona fide, quite possible Hall of Famer. But uh, let's be honest, the dude kind of sucks dick nowadays. So yeah, it's not it's not really worth it. But he and sucks kinda, a very rich dick. And that's kind of how yeah. I'm seeing it with JR right now. And, you know, that's the thing that really bothers me, right? I <laughs> understand, right? I've been dating a gal for almost a decade. Okay, That's a long if, time. If, if, if Jar was with Jan for how long? Fucking forever. I could not imagine getting mm-hmm. a phone call and being like, hey, man, by the way, uh, she was on a moped. She got hit by a car. She's really close to dying. And then it's like, that's just that. It's like, what the fuck just happened? But here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I still do listen to Jarrah's podcast from time to time. Yeah. He talks about how much prep work he puts. He takes commentary seriously. He does. He, he really does. He always talks about that, how much work goes into all the different broadcasts, how much time he spends, you know, doing this, doing that, making sure his reactions are genuine when they do have to do the rebroadcast stuff. And when you watch this live stuff, you're like – the dude's head either isn't in it or he's bullshitting us because the dude, it's just not there. And, yeah. and I don't know if it's something JR needs to realize or or the company needs to realize, and I feel bad for saying it, but, you know, it's just, it's something that needs to, needs to be said, you know, and I don't know. It's, 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 it's proved itself to be a continuing problem, and it's not like it's just the Americans calling the New Japan things because, as you said, in my opinion, Kevin Kelly is one of the best play-by-play guys right now. Yeah. Bar none. Gets, I would say he's probably one, you know, if fucking NXT marks want to argue it, yeah, okay, 1A, 1B, fucking Mauro Anello and, and and Kevin Kelly. But Kevin Kelly, 
didn't have a problem with making that transition. That dude's been great since he started a couple of years ago, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I'll say about that. That is definitely true. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially with New Japan having, like, they're going to have two more specials here in America. Um, they're going to have one in the fall with the main roster, and they're going to have a Lionsgate show. That's going to be kind of interesting, too. So depending on how all of that kind of works out, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out if JR, like, if, when his contract is up with Access, because basically the deal is through Access. So once his contract is up, does he re-sign, or do you just go in another direction? That's up to Mark Cuban and everyone over at do Access you, Television. Do you think it's fair that they lost their cool after that happened and were cussing on commentary and shit? Like, yeah. is that is that cool for them to do? I, I it, Yeah. Like, I, I would be kind of upset. It brought, like, a... Sense of realism? A sense of realism. Because you have that all the time in the fucking New Japan stuff, man. That's true, I guess. You know? Um, it's one of those things where, you know, you have a lot of guys calling each other motherfuckers and eat shit. Stuff like that. Sometimes so. I feel like Americans, and especially Chris Jericho, are just doing it because they think it's funny. Well, I think it's because, you know, you can get away with doing that Fuck type face. of stuff. Fuck face. Yeah, you can get away with doing that in Japan, you know? Because, like, it, it's different. It's a different beast. But, um, no, I it really kind of added a, a sense of urgency i think there um and if i was new japan i you know i try my damnedest to get josh barnett in that ring especially against jay white i'm not too sure if i would do it you know i don't know if i would actually burn that match in japan i'll probably save that match You'd for have the to next, save it for america i save that for america just because you know got barnett but if you wanted to like hypothetically you could probably save that one for the fucking dome I guess, yeah, you maybe could. The, the one thing that I will say, too, is that a lot of people are shitting on New Japan for doing something like that. And uh, I think it was pointed out in one of the articles that I read that Access TV was actually responsible for setting up pretty much the entire the entire setup. So because yeah. the gates weren't properly locked is one of the reasons why they oh, shifted. That, that was a huge problem all night. Like, right. you watch that whole event, like, anytime anyone hit a fucking guardrail, that guardrail went flying. Yeah, so, you know, at the same time... it. I agree. Yeah. I think that there was some type of work to it. Maybe, maybe not to the extent of JR falling over. Maybe that that wasn't that probably wasn't supposed to happen. I but there had to like you can't. I'm just thinking about it, and it's like out of all the different spots that they could have suplexed each other into a guardrail, and they picked specifically that one, and that specific thing happened, and Josh Burnett over theatrically fucking responded in that specific way. It's just like, dude. It, to me, it's just like it gets to a point where it's like. You can't tell me that wasn't a work. Yeah. I, I've been watching wrestling. There's no way. Yeah. You know? Like, I've... I've of all and there's, the, yeah. it's, it's like the fucking... And, you know, there wasn't any, like, security or any New Japan Nothing. guys, like, grabbing Barnett. Like, dude, get the... What the fuck are you no, doing? They, they were just going to, like, they, hey... They, had, you, the, had, they right? had the rough. It was like, oh, hey, man, you get out of the ring. Like, get your the typical ring. fucking wrestling angle. Yeah, yeah. When a guy that's not supposed to be in the ring is in He's there, in it's the like, oh, come yeah. back off. They have so many young lines out there that they should have rushed the ring. You would have expected a guy that's not supposed to be in the ring would have done that. Exactly. And that's, to me, again, why... Maybe the Jared thing wasn't supposed to happen. I don't know. Maybe Jared's in on it. I have no, no idea. No, no, no. I, I, I bet you, like, the injury wasn't supposed to happen because, like, fucking accidents happen. But I, I, I shit you not, that was probably a prearranged spot in that match that made sense because now, you know, it, it, it elevates Jay White as a little bit more of a despicable heel, you know, heel in the, like, the eyes of everyone else. It actually, tell you the truth, it was one of those things that really kind of helped out Juice Robinson as a sympathetic babyface right. in that whole matchup because now people are like, oh, we want to see him kick the fucking ass. And that match was actually good. Like, that got one of the best reactions live that any Juice of those matches it. did. Juice is fucking I also it. want to just make sure that I say to the five people that are listening, I'm not trying to shit on JR. Like, I obviously, like no, I just no. said, like, I memorialized the dude as like a fucking... We got a lot of love and respect for the guy. Yeah, and uh, he used mm-hmm. to have one of my favorite podcasts, but... 
you know, like you kind of mentioned, Jesse, the stuff that he's going through, like ever since that all happened, it just obviously I feel like his heart's in a different place. And I think he's just honestly probably partially just going with the motions and trying to find a way to to escape the feelings of of pain that he must be feeling. Like I said, I can't imagine that. That is just – that is uh that is very that must be just incredibly difficult to deal with. So, you know, uh thoughts and prayers. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, <laughs> so we you know Sorry. So we might as well take a quick break here. You know, we got a few things coming up. So this weekend we extreme both rules. have extreme rules and the G one kicks off on the fourteenth. Um, you know, it might be not the best for us to actually preview that if you want to. There's so many other fucking podcasts doing that right now. Um Voices of Wrestling is probably gonna have their big preview coming up probably like next two days. I wouldn't doubt it. They do a fucking phenomenal job breaking that son of a bitch down. Um, I know we're going to probably be talking about the G1, certain matches here and there as, like, the fucking tournament goes on and stuff like that. But one of the things we got to really talk about is Extreme Rules this weekend because we have gone almost, like, 40 minutes in this podcast and we have not shit on WWE. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll do that up next. It's Extreme Rules Talk on Grapple Talk. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Hey, it's Hot Shot Scott Williams. Do you like chili? Well, I do too. Do you like podcasts? Well, so do we. It's the Ross Family Matters podcast. Join myself, Victor Stick Ross, Jack Spade, and, From a, the and a cavalcade of other people except Maru. You're never allowed. The Grapple Talk Network. It's the podcast. We're coming at you. Maru's not allowed. And welcome back to Grapple Talk. Uh, we are going to be doing some WWE talk here because we've got extreme rules. Extreme rules, brother. One of the uh, another one of the shows that uh, WWE claims to be a pay per view when it's not really a pay per view. It's just kind of like an extra show, to, fun show to watch. It, no, it's um, a it's a super show. Is Nick. that what they call it's it nowadays? The raw, it's 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 the Raw and SmackDown super show, basically. Nice. Um, I don't know. It's always kind of weird these these new pay per views. You know, we're we're no longer in the era of pay per view. Um, this network special. Basically, but at the same time, though, it's like you're continuing storylines from TV that you're probably going to follow up on TV the next day. So basically, these are network infomercials set up for you to watch the TV shows because that's where they actually get in the ad revenue these days. So we've got a lot of different matches. We're not going to break them down by any means. We've done this before, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, the the. Um, I'm just going to say it with basically the waste of time that pay-per-views <laughs> seem to be nowadays. I don't really feel necessary okay, to talk so, about so a pay-per-view you for still, an extended period of time. You still don't have the WWE Network, right? No, I don't. All right, cool. I'm probably going to watch this on Sunday. Um, I know last time I actually we watched a WWE pay-per-view, you actually hit me up at one point and be like, I can't believe that fucking happened. So I watch it on um, uh, like on the Reddit, right? Some yeah, there's a Reddit stream that. All they right, post, cool. So anyhow, I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb. You're gonna Ready? go on a limb. I'm gonna say that. Let me just look at this really quick. One, two, three, four, um, five, six. I'll say at, I'll say six of these matches have potential to be really good. I think this pay per view okay. has a lot of good. Pot- it, has a lot gonna, of potential. But that's what we say about a lot of these WWE pay per views. Like the last one, Money in the Bank, uh, like. They had some really, they had some potentially really good matchups. There ended up being a couple really good ones. Like I really love that Ronda Rousey Nia Jax match. Right. But it became predictable fucking booking because 
you're not going to have Rousey beat Jax right away. And you're not going to have Jax beat Rousey right I'm away. I'm going to tell you right yeah. now, Bliss and Jax is going to be ass. Um, <laughs> I believe that Asuka and Carmella is going to be ass. Oh, come on. James Ellsworth is in a fucking shark tank. I believe that Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt versus the B team is going to be ass. So just delete it off the card. I think, personally, Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens is going to be ass. It's a steel cage match. How can it be ass? Steel, you watch. It's going to be fucking ass. Um, I'm not even going to count the tables match because it's a fucking pre-show match. We got a six-man tag match on the pre-show. A fucking tables match. What the fuck? You know this is going to be carnage personified in this one, especially with these teams, and it's on the pre-show. I hate that. That just makes me mad. It doesn't make any sense. Why don't Why don't you put Finn Balor and fucking Corbin on the pre-show? You have a, it's a, it's just like the, the nah, because you're not gonna put Balor and it's the just constable the on the, the pre-show. But here's the thing. Now yeah. I look and I look through this. Now I'm gonna get. Oh my god! You think Brad Sturman and Kevin Owens could be? At, there's like a be, Kevin Owens is the best wrestler ever. Oh my god! He's an indie guy. Um, I wow. think I personally think you know I think there's potential in Finn Balor and and Corbin. I really do. I don't know why. But I, I just feel like I've always enjoyed watching Corbin matches where he works smaller guys. I think those yeah, are usually Yeah, he's actually pretty, pretty decent at that, you know, because of the size you know, discrepancy. He works a big man style. You know, Ballard tries to get the best out of everyone he works. He's, he's a pro like that. You know, yeah. he'll, he'll accommodate to other people's styles. I'm excited to see what Hardy and Nakamura have to bring to the table. I think that's the di- difference of styles, right? It's like something I, I never expected yeah. to see, I guess. Like, that'd be like, this would be like a dream match for me if I was like eight. Or yeah, something. this one's going to be kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I really think there is a huge – first off, dude, I, I'm going to say this right now. I think Ziggler rounds in a 30-minute Ironman. Ziggler has, like, found himself. I, 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 yeah. I, I've, I've seen some video well, same clips. same with Rollins. Oh, yeah, I know. I don't watch Raw really mm-hmm. any at all, but I've seen some video clips. I've been trying to keep up with some of the matches these guys have been involved in, and I think this 30-minute Ironman match for the IC belt has like potential to be one of the best WWE matches we've seen this year. Main roster. I don't want to bring down to NXT. And that, that's saying something because like the main roster this year has not really produced that's any match of the year quality candidates. Right, and, that's, and, and I really I look at AJ Styles and Rusev, and I think I'm a little biased for that match, but we've been talking – about Rusev needing to be in that role for how long? For and some time now, and he's finally there. Mm-hmm. And I and I really hope that I, I guess I'm I'm team AJ Styles Rusev. Like I'm praying that that match is going to live up to it because I've been talking about Rusev deserves to be there for the longest time. So it's like, please make sure I'm right. Please validate my reasoning for wanting you to be there. And I and I think realistically they do. And I here you go. Ready? Mm-hmm. I say give him the fucking belt. What do you have to lose? A couple <laughs> weeks ago, SmackDown had the second lowest viewership that they'd had since they did the brand split. Fuck it. What do you have to lose at this point? Make a splash. Do something different. Because are well, your ratings going to keep going down? Because right now they're fucking falling down on an endless pit. So just yep. fucking try it out. This guy's over as fuck with the fans. Give him the belt. If it doesn't work, take it off him in a month. That's just what I say. Just fucking do it. Yeah, definitely you can do it because next month is Southern Slam. Uh, you know, this is going to be one of those interesting matchups. Like... It's Styles, and he, he still can go. But, it, like, for whatever apparent reason, like, this year has not been a banner year for him. And I don't know if that's a combination of SmackDown Creative or anything well, He was like injured that. for, like, a little bit after Mania, wasn't he? Or before Mania or something like that? Uh, no, it might have been before Mania. Might have been like before a, Mania. Yeah, because, but, like, you know, he kept on getting his nuts kicked in by Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> after Mania. You know, we try to forget that part. Um, but, you know, this is actually kind of really interesting because, like, 
Rusev has gotten himself over like very organically and kind of falls into that same spot like a guy like Daniel Bryan did. You know, the year that John Cena picked him. It's like, I want to wrestle you at SummerSlam, Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan's like, oh so my God. fucking dumb. You know? But then again, that was the beginning of something big for Daniel right. Bryan. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for that, you would not have had that whole run to the belt at 30. Right. You know, so that's huge right there. So Rusev at this point in time earning himself a title shot against AJ Styles. This is the first time he's had a title shot in quite some time, especially from the main belt. Um, you know, it really kind of opens up a doorway. And I think, like, that's kind of the cool thing about these network specials is you're not really necessarily looking for more pay-per-view buys at this point in time. You're d- basically test-marketing guys on a bigger stage, see if they can go. I'm pretty sure this is Rusev's first main championship match ever. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Because so. otherwise he's always gone after, US like, a U.S. belt, belt or, or the Intercontinental belt or something like that. So this one could actually be something really interesting. And, you know, looking at the card, too, another interesting matchup I, I believe actually has potential, depending on which way you go, is the Bludgeon Brothers against Team Hell No. Yeah. Team Hell No coming back, you know, from an extended break. Daniel Bryan's back in the spotlight. Kane's back. I don't know how many times Kane's come <laughs> back now. It's just it's fucking amazing. But, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Good um, word. But the Bludgeon Brothers, they've kind of found their niche as, like, the shit-kicking team on SmackDown. Um, Who has a ridiculous gimmick. They have a fucking ridiculous gimmick. But Jesus fucking Christ, they're taking on a fucking demon from hell who's going to be a fucking mayor. Oh, my God, dude. You know, like, come oh. on. Who gives a shit about ridiculous gimmicks anymore? This is the fucking WWE. Can't like, come out there. Looks like he's eating too many fucking donuts that morning. <laughs> dude, and his fucking, like, his hair is perpetually <laughs> so wet. It's because perfect. it's fucking fake. <laughs> it is so fucking fake. It's like he's got a fucking squid on his head. Isn't it just ridiculous, oh, though? Christ. Dude, you know what? It lo- yeah. You know what Kane looks like nowadays. Yeah. It's like if I, if you, if you, if I went to my dad and I was like, "Hey, dad, like, would you please, like, I'm gonna give you just some cloth and some random ass shit. I have some kids." They're going to be coming around the block. I just want you to try to scare them. Can you just try to dress up in any way possible? And he's like, yeah, I guess I'll see what I can do. That's what fucking Kane looks like. That would be like if I walked into the station one day, I'm sitting there editing videos, and all of a sudden here comes Rick Wilson wearing a fucking cheap Halloween mask of Kane. That's exactly what That's it looks exactly like. That's exactly it is. But you know what? It's unfortunate. It's just the way it goes. You know, like there's, there's something about the look of Kane where you need to have a mask and long hair. Do you think WWE is like aware, like socially aware of this? Like do you think they almost see it as kind of like – it's like, it's, it's what's kind of funny. Or do you think, like, the writers are sitting there like, oh, God, he's a fucking demon. <laughs> I, don't think fucking, they, I, don't, I don't think they sit there and he be looks, like. He looks so scary still. And, oh, he's going to strike fear into his opponents. I mean, obviously, with this room with Team Hell No, it's a little bit more yeah. lighthearted. But, like, you know, uh, but they're still, I mean, he's still walking around in, like, this burned-up mask. in this long, just, like, <laughs> just wet hair. And it just never dries. And it's like, why does it never dry? It you're, you're fucking a demon from hell. Your hair should be perpetually dry. I know, right? Like, all the time. It, maybe it should be scorched off. Because you're in fucking hell. Yeah. And, like, with that amount of fucking product in your hair, holy shit, that would fucking catch fire pretty quickly. Wrestlers only have wet hair because, like, the common thought is that it just looks cooler, right? Isn't that the reasoning for it? It looks you know, cool I, if you I have would, wet hair. I, I would assume so, yeah, because it just dries out. As an I, see, I've been thinking about Which that is kind of weird because, like, shouldn't you start with, like, dry hair? And then, like, as you're working through a match and the perspiration you know, perspiration is coming through your hair. See, like, I was, Think about this. Think yeah. about this. All right. Back in the fucking 80s, if Hogan would have came out with perpetually wet hair, you know what people said? That motherfucker's bald as fuck. That motherfucker's super bald. But that's what I've been yeah. thinking about lately. Like Roman Reigns, for example. His hair is always wet as fuck. I think, actually, I'm trying to think now, even when he does the ponytail thing, I think it's still wet even when he does the pony. Po- yeah. I think he, it's always wet. And I'm just like, and I'm just thinking about it one time, and I'm like, man, like, what? 
you know, like now I'm just like, what does it look like when it's not wet? You know, the one of the worst ones was like two weeks ago. I'm watching Raw, right? I'm hanging out with Mike Minton. You know, God bless Mike Minton's heart. Fucking Bobby Lashley's in that tag match with Roman Reigns, right? With his tattooed eyebrows. Yeah, motherfucker doesn't get tagged in once. You know what he still does? Where's his fucking sweatband? He didn't. How the, you know how the fuck are you supposed to, s- dude? You didn't sweat. You weren't in the fucking match, and you still wore your fucking headband. Gimmicks, brother. Gimmicks, my. Are ass. they selling Bobby Lashley headbands on WWE.com? Because that might be why. I don't know. We should probably find that. You want to find out. that one? Yeah, out? Yeah, sure. I've never under like we talked about before. That's like Undertaker's like I'm a demon from hell, and I wear boxing gloves. Yeah, <laughs> you have MMA gloves. Well, you, you it's know, like, you, you're a demon. Why do you, you wear? Got, you got to box demons in hell, right? Have you ever it's been like, to hell? Uh, I haven't. But, uh, like, that was always a weird thing for me. I'm just like, okay, like, what? Like, why do you have MMA gloves? Like, why is that even a thing? Like, why? Why? But it's like, I, it's again, now I look uh-huh. at that and I go, you know, I remember the days. You know what I remember? What's I remember when me and my friends would play No Mercy, for example. It's like, oh, dude, dude, create your character, dude. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to make my guy look cool. And it's like, he just Wet hodgepodge hair. of yeah. shit. Oh, wet hair. Oh, he's going to have biker pants and gloves. And then at the end, you're like, that doesn't, what the fuck? None of that make, makes sense. Why? That's not a character. Everything's all discombobulated. That's what I, you know, like Undertaker. It's like, I'm a demon. I put eyeliner on and I wear MMA gloves. It's like, doesn't make sense. Like, why? I, I don't know if they, like. I have weak knuckles. I don't know. What is the, like, what is the point? Because I throw bones. Um. It's got to so, be because he thinks it looks cool, right? So Bobby Lashley has only five pieces of... Uh, only? Yeah. Uh, he has a Bobby Lashley Back to Dominance Authentic T-shirt, both in uh, standard youth and women's sizes. And he, there's also a framed photo from the uh, Raw After Mania and a framed photo of Raw After Mania. Wow, you're boring me to death. Is Bobby Lashley's finisher still a stalling suplex? Yeah. Why doesn't he do like the Dominator or something? Or is that too dangerous? Or is that is, am I am I is that not okay? I I, don't, I think that you can do the Dominator. Why not? He's a big strong guy and he could fucking throw a guy in his face. I think it'd be okay. Great. So so th- this because brings, he can't do the okay. spear because Roman Reigns is because a spear. he's using the spear. Okay, but even like fucking Braun Strowman uses a fucking running power slam. Yeah, he does. Okay, are we getting back to the point where we're going back to like eighties finishers? Who who is gonna fucking bust out the sidewalk slam and use that? Just the fucking like from the hip drops him down sidewalk slam. I don't know. That's one of my favorite things. I think that the mm-hmm. that's happened a couple of times. I feel like in WWE where I I honestly can't think of anything. But there's been a couple of times where I think somebody debuts and they don't know what their finish is, and then they do it, and then everybody's like, "Was that a finish?" Or and it's like one two three. It's like now, oh. do you think of some of that is just like God? They just don't know how to get people over anymore. I think like I back in the day, all right. So one of the cool things they always used to do was if you have a guy you want to get over, you have him go over local talent and you sell his move. So like a guy like Razor Ramon, right? Hey yo, Chico, I use this thing called the Razor's Edge. It's a power bomb and I drop him down. They sold the fuck out of that. Yeah. So he would just kill people week after week after week after week with that move. So establish it as at a finisher. Yeah, but you can't do that anymore. Not with the amount of raw they have now because now you know. Because now what happens, you know, Braun mm-hmm. Strowman goes out there and he running power slams 
couple local guys, and he does the handicap matches like he did. Yeah. And at some point, everybody's like, this is fucking stupid. I already, uh, why do I want to keep watching this? Because that's what we saw. Because now everybody's entitled to an opinion because everybody has a Twitter account, everybody yeah. has a Facebook page, and everybody has an Instagram, everybody has a Reddit account, everybody has this and that. So now it's like, my opinion matters, and I'm sick of seeing this. Okay. And everybody's like, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. And then there's one guy like, actually, I'm okay with it. And they're like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about because okay, you're not part okay. of the public on the internet. Okay, so so anyhow, like, that, fine, you can't do it now because you're going to offend five people on the fucking internet. Fuck those five people. And they're probably like the people that actually listen to the podcast. Um, so basically, fuck you too. Um, but then again, it's like you need your commentators to sell it as a finish, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, Bobby Lashley, very strong guy. You get him up for that vertical suplex. You hold him up there for 20, 30 seconds. The blood goes straight to your head and gets yeah, slammed in the ground. They, they should. They, they should. should. Because, like, otherwise, it's just a fucking suplex that everyone else does. That's yeah. all the fuck it is. Right. So, like, you have to give it a reason why it actually hurts more than the regular fucking suplex. It's like the fucking blood flow. Bobby Lashley is fucking six foot four. I don't know. Maybe he's like 5'11". I don't fucking know. You know? I just don't know why you'd want it to be your finish because to me that move has like a lot of risk for fuck up. It's just like not like injuring somebody, but it's like I have to get you up and then I we mean, have to be ultimately balanced. Dude, wasn't fucking Apollo Cruz using it at one point as just a move? Yeah, he was. What the fuck? Yeah, they shit on him. What the fuck? Well, he's not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Titus Worldwide is still a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's still a know. thing. Still yeah. a thing. It's like a very low card jobber type of thing. You know, it's one of those things. But man, okay, so so that brings up the point. So now you have Bobby Lashley against fucking Roman Reigns. Yeah. We just got done seeing Bobby Lashley like fucking good. Roman Reigns against fucking Jinder Mahal. I'm hoping it's good. Are we I just, hope are it's just good. Are we just kind of putting, like, fucking, are we just putting Roman Reigns in matches with people who are boringer than him? They are trying to, they're trying to keep him away from the main event to make people like him more. I guarantee that's what's happening. It's like, oh, should we do Roman? And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's keep him away from the main event so that when we give him the belt. Because here's the other thing, right? There was a report out recently that uh-huh. you know said you know Brock Lesnar is basically, he's going to fight in the UFC again. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they set up the angle at the uh, last UFC yeah. fight basically last week with uh, Cormier. You know, I- he comes in, pushes him, and he's like, I want your title, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he got in the ring and then fucking DC was like, fucking push me, push me, dude. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. But anyways, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think you know rumors are there's going to be a match at SummerSlam with Brock Lesnar, which I'm assuming is when we're going to anoint a new heavyweight champion, right? And it's going to be Roman Reigns. But here's the thing. We talked about this, and I can't remember where I read this, and I'm going to sound like I'm making it up, and I'm not a great journalist. Oh, sure. But I do specifically remember that... I do specifically remember <laughs> that there was a point in time where... Um, I don't know if it's Roman's merch sales right now or the tops in the company or if the Raw ratings were the highest when he was cha- – I can't remember exactly I, what I, it was. I believe it, what it was was like the Raw ratings are the highest when he was actually on screen because you and me had that conversation over the weekend. Right, yeah, that's, that's what it was. And yeah. it was like – and, you know, for all of us, we like to sit here and shit on Roman Reigns. And everybody that listens to this podcast most likely for one reason or another doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, the dude makes money, right? Yeah. And uh, – to, to me, to the audience that watches WWE, that's all that matters. We talked about this, right? Growing out of wrestling. It was one of our last podcast episodes. Maybe it was two episodes ago. I don't remember. But I um, think it was actually the last episode. Was it really? And we just talked nothing about wrestling this one. I guess yeah, we only right. grew out of it for, for like two weeks. But uh, but we talk about that, though, and it's like for me, WWE, We talk, with Kane, 
the Bludgeon Brothers. I think that shit's corny as fuck. I can't yeah. watch it. I don't. And people are, you know, oh my god, Nick, you're Nicky Duche. That's your gimmick. You're a fucking, you're a fucking gimmick too, dude. You fucking asshole. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't watch myself do it, so it's totally different. Would I pay to watch Nicky Duche on a Friday night? I don't know, maybe not. But <laughs> well, but, well, I, but well. I look at yeah. but I look at WWE and I look at guys like Roman Reigns. And at the end of the day, I sit there and this is again why I'm talking about growing out of wrestling. Maybe I'm not growing out of wrestling, but maybe I'm just growing out of WWE because I look at that match card. Mm-hmm. I continually try to watch Raw and SmackDown. I continue to watch WrestleMania, watch the pay-per-views, and I'm just not impressed anymore. There's nothing that that holds me to that, mm-hmm. right? So then when we talk about Roman Reigns, I am starting to get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I get it. Like, I understand mm-hmm. why he's being shoved down our throats because it's not for me. It's, it's not, yeah. right? I already don't like WWE as it is, and... To, to try to shit on them more for what they're doing with Roman Reigns, it's like, I could point to so many other different things. For example, like fucking 50-year-old Kane coming out there with his beer gut and being like, I'm a fucking monster. It's like, God, that's so guys. fucking dumb. I'm fucking the Bludgeon Brothers. Look at us with our cool videos. Ugh, axes. It's like, fuck it. That's so stupid. God, that's so fucking dumb. So fucking stupid. Yeah. It's God, it's so ridiculous. It doesn't make any, you know, it's, it's just like... What the I, hell, I man? I know where you're coming from, man. So, okay, so this is going to be a weird weird thought. It just kind of came in my head. Now, hear me out on this one. <clears throat> With the WWE actually testing the waters, we'll see him punk and uh, Daniel Bryan as champions during that little point in time. Do you think what they were actually doing at that point in time was actually testing their test market, which is their viewers, to see whether or not an indie product, NXT, could actually work? Oh, now, if you want to tie that into NXT, um, I don't know. Because I have you, no you, idea. Because if you think about it, right? So after 30, really, you kind of saw the rise of NXT as a product with WWE Network, right? Yeah. And basically what they're doing with the NXT is almost doing exactly kind of like that Indie Darling promotion. Am I correct? Yeah. Here's what I will say about NXT. I do uh-huh. think, I think, I don't know necessarily if that was testing the waters, but I do think it was a heads up to WWE to let them know that it would be... It would it could be, be it, it would work. It's a, yeah, it, it would it mm-hmm. would work. So that opened the floodgates for them to do what it is that they're doing. And that's why, you know, you hear a lot of guys that, you know, when we go to our shows, we go to locker rooms, everybody's like, Oh my god, do you see NXT? Oh, so fucking awesome. Oh my god. Fuck Roman Reigns. Oh, what are they doing? That's fucking stupid. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's because this main roster shit isn't made for you and I, you know? Mm-hmm. And at some point I think we just need to get that. We just need to figure, you know, we need to figure that out as fans because we look back at the Attitude Era and everything that everybody loved. Or you look, you know, for example, some people are like, oh, I fucking love the 80s. I loved how things were done in the 80s. And it's like, well, it was maybe catering to, to who you were at that time, you know, nostalgia a little bit. Uh-huh. At this point, you know, it's 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 catering to a different type of audience, right? We all have Facebook. We all have Twitter. We all have Instagram. We all have Snapchat. We all uh, get, you know, participation trophies nowadays. Everything's about safety and policies and procedures nowadays when in the 90s it was about how do we grow our product and it's it's everything is different so now when you look at that and you look at the the multi-billion dollar corporation that wwe is i just look at it and i think that's kind of a little bit of what that last episode was it's, it's kind of sombering it's kind of it's mm-hmm. kind of saddening to be like i grew up with wwe but you know what it's just not for me it's like having a best friend for the longest time mm-hmm. right and it's like oh man that's my fucking best friend wow we are so cool and then you know you're you're you both turn like 25 and you know you're you're kind of like moving on with your lives a little bit but it seems like maybe they're not progressing the same way that you are mm-hmm. and then you end up being th- both 30 and you know you're you're trying to get married and have kids and you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that and maybe that person has different life goals and different life values and it's just not matching up and yeah you kind of just 
go your separate ways. And I think that's kind of what WWE has been for me because for the longest time, I'm like, this is my entertainment. This is what I love watching, what I love doing. And now I'm realizing it's just not like that anymore and there's nothing that's going to change it because I am not WWE's audience. Well, that is definitely true. You know, it's just the way it is. You know, it's like even with – even like the main state of like comic books, you know, I'm a big comic book guy, Nick. Like I love them to death. But you know, there there is different branches now for all these comic book companies. So you got your main line, you have your sublines, you have the cinematic universe, and everything else is definitely like it's tailed to different different people. And it's basically because of like the fucking the the religion of marketing these days, where you can actually market things to different demographics, and people are still going to buy it no matter what. So what you're doing is you're diversifying your fucking brand, right? As Wu Tang Clan said, you got to diversify your bonds. Nice, you know. So what you're doing is you're diversifying your brand, and you're actually trying to cast a very wide net to try to get as many people in as possible. Um, sometimes what you do is you have people fall through the cracks, and they realize the fucking game. That's just the way it goes. But I think right right now with the WWE, what we're watching is very much a turnaround of older fans to newer fans. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that's why NXT is there. That's why the network is there. It's like they know that shit was going to happen. So they made sure that, like, oh, hey, you know, just in case. Oh, here's NXT. Oh, hey, man, just in case. Here's all the old Coliseum home videos. So it's one of those things where it's very much like you're still casting that wide net to try to make sure your fan base is happy with something you're fucking producing because I hate to say it, right now your casual fan watching Monday Night Raw, who actually has control of the fucking remote, is not digging Monday Night Raw. And I don't know if it's you're gonna say you're gonna say you're Raw fucking, had low ratings you're, too. You're gonna, you're gonna fucking blame it on the World Cup? No. Who gives a shit about soccer? All right. Like you can't blame it on that. You can't blame it on fucking NBA. Especially when USA is not in the. You can't blame it on fucking baseball because no one watches fucking baseball. Nobody watches baseball. No one. Dude, watches. the Brewers were on the other day and they were Dude. playing the Marlins. I think there were eighteen people in the crowd. Dude, the fucking Brewers are one of the best teams in, in the I NFL. Know. And so no one's still nobody, watching their fucking game. watching it. You know, like at least people are going to the games, right? Yeah. For the most part, you know. No, um, yeah, they're 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 they're. Miller Park is doing well. They're doing very well because they're winning. TV, but TV numbers. No, TV numbers, it doesn't really matter. No. Even though, like, restaurants would have some really good deals, like Flipside does 75-cent wings. Hmm. You that's know? a good deal. So that's pretty good. But it's just one of those things, WWE is just casting a very wide net right now, and it's very much more about, like, the brand and keeping it safe. Maybe there was some crazy fucking rumor that they were keeping it safe until they get to Fox, and all of a sudden they're going to whip out some new fucking ideas. Doubt it. Don't fucking d- doubt I, it. I doubt it. You know what's going to happen when they go over to Fox? What? They're going to have a spike of rating. Everyone's going to be really kind of fucking cool with that shit. And I bet you in a year and a half, two years after that, ratings start going down a little bit. Ratings start going down a little bit. And then you're wondering if your fox is like, well, this was a good idea. And be like, well, it's getting a better rating than anything else. And they're going to re-sign him again for a lot of fucking yeah, money. Fox, yeah. is, fox is one of those stations that, you know, networks that seems to have a pretty short leash with even their originals, right? Like, they're just like, you're not really performing as well as we thought you would. And it's like, well, we're still uh, making you money. And they're like, yeah, ah, some of those originals, though, you think about it, like a live, like, all right, like a show like fucking Lucifer, right? I'm just going to say that fucking Lucifer, the TV show, probably has a higher fucking budget than Raw has for every fucking episode they have. So if you're only producing 13 episodes of fucking Lucifer in comparison to 52 episodes of fucking Raw and the budget is double that, why the fuck would you keep Lucifer? I don't know. Yeah, so that's why it makes sense for fucking Fox or any fucking company to be like, well, if these guys are going to handle the production costs of this, we don't have to worry about fucking shit besides advertising. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I wanted to, I want you to know that I'm not, I just don't like WWE. <laughs> I'm just not, I can't get into yeah, it. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. You know, we, we got to kind of. I tried. Uh, that's okay, Nick. You know, maybe we should kind of wrap up this, uh, 
this podcast or anything like that. Is anything going on with like you right now with like uh, sports or anything like that? You know, not really. I just got a trade offer for my uh, number twenty. Um, it was a bad offer. Um, some guy <laughs> in our dynasty league has Thomas Rawls. I have uh, okay. Isaiah Crowell. So that's they're both New York Jets running backs. Yeah, and uh, he said I'll give you Thomas Rawls for your number twenty nine pick. Or I'll give you Thomas Rawls, my number 26, for your 20 pick. Um, which, who knows what Thomas Rawls will be. He basically worded it as if it would complete New York Jets' backfield, which it wouldn't because they still then technically have Bilal Powell, which yeah. he'll be fighting for, for touches too. So if I don't – I mean, to me, the backup to own would be Bilal Powell. So yeah. He's younger. Doesn't really seem like it's a benefit uh, to me to trade away a possible rookie that could make an impact somewhere for a guy that might not even make the roster. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because, like, man, you know, I'm still waiting to hear back on that one trade offer that I actually sent after. Like, I got three fucking trade offers, right? So the trade offer I was basically getting was I traded away Roethlisberger, a tight end, or Roethlisberger and Deontay Foreman for Jared Goff and Chris Carson. Right. You know, so it's like Carson's a guy who's going to be – He's a handcuff right now. The Rashad Penny, you know, they're already kind of penciling and Penny in that role. Um, I already have one of the handcuffs in that backfield. Anyhow, it's Mike Davis. Mike Davis has probably got a chance to make it as the third back. Right. Actually, I think tell you the truth, Mike Davis, he might actually have an opportunity to become the second back. It all depends. It all depends on how everything kind of shapes up. Um, but why would I do that trade? Why would I get away? Like, but two tight ends he wanted me to either trade away were Rudolph. Ain't no way. You look at it stat wise, Rudolph really is just behind Gronkowski when it comes to touchdowns as a tight end, which is crazy. And with Cousins there, you expect his production to pick up even more. Exactly, especially around the goal line. Yep. Um, Cousins likes his tight ends. He does. That's a nice. terrible that, yeah. that should be a T-shirt um, yeah. if we did T-shirts. Cousins love tight ends. <laughs> well, you mean he does. Yeah, he so, does. He yeah. does. Oh, and, no, I get it. But, like, the other one, it was uh, Janu Smith, right? He's the backup for Delaney Walker. Fucking the other guy who owns Danny Lee Walker in the fucking league wants to shop him. Yeah, well, Delaney Walker's 33. He's so. 33. He's only got a couple more seasons. Janu Smith is like 22. The guy's a stud. It could be one of those things where it might be beneficial to actually keep him. So I counted my trade with like, well, if you're asking for a tight end, how about Roethlisberger and Greg Olson? Greg Olson is still a top five tight end, just coming off an injury. Ben Roethlisberger is a top ten quarterback, but both guys are kind of short when it comes to length of length stay, of longevity. Right? Yeah. But what the guy is doing though is like he was asking Roethlisberger because he wants to win now. Yep. That's the only reason why he's asking for him. Because right. if you have a quarterback who's in his second year with a new system, third year in the fucking league, still hasn't reached his full potential, even though he's getting kind of like. You get Brandish as a game manager this past year. Wouldn't you be a fucking game manager too if you had Todd fucking Gurley? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you right yeah. now, though. I think that uh, mm-hmm. since I know this guy doesn't listen to this podcast, I think that Jared Goff has potential to probably outplay Ben Roethlisberger oh, as far yeah. as fantasy points this look year. At, look at his fucking so you'd automatically, weapons. Yeah, you'd yeah. automatically win the, the trade there, and I think that's what's beneficial. But, like, the beneficial part, though, was, like, also like, he's got two second-round picks. So I asked for a pick. Come on. I'm thinking, like, okay, if one of the things you're probably going to ask for as, like, a second-round guy, you're not going to get – a top flight running back in that second round. Right. So you have my second round pick from the year before, so what, that's like number 13, right? So he's got picks 8 and 13. Looking at everything coming and coming out, um, pick 8 should be Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is kind of falling to 8, which is crazy to think, but a lot of that is just based on the fact that you have Carlos Hyde there and you also have Duke Johnson. Right. But if you can get Chubb there, who should be like – He'll end up being maybe top five in the class. Carlos Hyde can't stay healthy. Carlos Hyde can't stay <clears throat> healthy. So you got basically a potential starting running back right there. So the next thing you're going to do is like, 
probably at 13, you can get a stud receiver. Right. Because there's at least like like five guys around that same point. They're all pretty decent. They're all pretty decent. They're all going to be major contributors right away. So you go get a you know like a wide receiver right there. So and then you're looking at you know you also have a pick somewhere in the third or whatever the hell. You get a tight end there because tight ends like there a lot of them are actually sliding. If you look at some of the mocks right now, a lot of them are sliding. The only two that are actually going anywhere is like Gillespie's going kind of high. Yep. He seems to be going higher and higher, which I don't know. Like rumor had it, he was having a terrible mini camp as it was. I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm done picking that tight. I picked OJ Howard, who was supposed to be like a once in a generational player, and then he played behind a guy this entire year. So I was, I'm yeah. done with tight ends. Now they, they they signed Cameron Brake to four years. Yeah, that's why I'm like I'm done with that. Yeah. But uh, but you know, yeah, that, yeah. That's, I like the deal. I like the deal, and like hopefully your deal. You know, like I would I would not take that deal. Yeah, I probably won't. And that's the thing yeah. that sucks with fantasy football is that it seems like whenever I do trades. I always have remorse, like after the fact. I'm like, "Fuck, I fucked that up." So, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to make mm-hmm. trades, and the problem that I have is my team is full of question marks, right? Aside yep. from Devonte Freeman, um, Tevin Coleman, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, T. Y. Hilton. I don't know where he's going to be at, how that they're that system's going to work, especially with Andrew Luck being so floppy as far as if he's going to be healthy or not. Marvin Jones, I just actually found out was the tenth best wide receiver in our league last year, yeah. which is crazy to think about. But I still have him on my roster. But again, a question mark. Allen Robinson playing in Chicago question mark running backs Allen Collins question mark Isaiah Crowell question mark right like these guys have potential right now you could pencil them in as probably three down backs mm-hmm. but at the same time I don't know you know <laughs> they don't they haven't proven themselves so then I look at that and I go okay well you know and I, I'm, I'm really high on my guys right so I look at that mm-hmm. and I go somebody goes well I want this this and this you know if you if you want this guy I want this this and this from you and it's like well you want Alex Collins well uh, because here's the here's the thing I struggle with, right? I could be giving up guys like Alex Collins and Isaiah Crowell. Probably not, but they could be top running backs in the league depending on how they're using their systems. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give away two top running backs for one guy that could get injured and I get totally fucked. You know, it's just those weird – you know, it's 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 weird. It's yeah. it's a weird struggle that I'm having, and it's unfortunate because I have a bench just filled with guys that, well, they might get touches, but there's also potential. There. It's like an example. Like my whole bench is with guys like that are very similar to like Geronimo Allison. It's like yeah. as the number three receiver in Green Bay, whenever anybody would be out in previous years, that dude has scored fucking points, especially with Rodgers in. Right? Yeah. Rodgers loves Geronimo Allison. So this year, I expect the same. He could maybe be a flex option, but. I don't know. You Maybe not. Know. Yeah, that's how my whole team is. Besides those those couple of guys. Yeah, like my team is uh, it's interesting. So like I've kind of rebuilt it through slowly during the draft and slowly just picking up guys off the waiver wire. So it, a lot of it, it's just like okay, the potential is there, much like your guys. So like over the years, I've actually drafted pretty pretty solid. I thought last year was probably my best draft because I got Mixon, I got Foreman, and I got Godwin. Right. Yeah. And then I was able to get. Like Goodwin off the waiver wire, like when pick. he was in when he was in Buffalo. Yeah. So he goes over to San Francisco. He starts exploding. He starts playing really well. Um, I was able to get like like Malcolm Mitchell in an earlier draft. I got a couple other guys in a different draft, you know, and stuff like that. So it kind of works that way. So right now, I, I feel really confident with like three bench spots open that I can actually get three guys. Hopefully, cross my fingers, like that would actually be decent this year because right. it's very much. You know, fuck, man, my team sucked last year. So, like, I, I only have, like, potential to get better. Like, you know, yeah. so, like, you know, first overall pick, get Saquon Barkley. Like, that dude. Now like, you have Mixon and Saquon. Those are pretty – actually, that's yes. a pretty good running back tandem. And then, you know, like, I got Foreman. If Foreman comes back healthy, 
They're they all three. fucking yeah. They're fucking dudes with like two years of experience in the NFL. Like that's fucking young. They're a young backfield, you know. Um, you have guys like Landry, you know, I got Sterling Shepard, you know, I got Godwin and Goodwin. Like, I got some receivers that actually have a lot of potential there. Even like a guy like Malcolm Mitchell, who's still very high in the fucking New England Patriots, like pecking order. They love this dude. Yeah. Like, if they didn't love this dude, they would have fucking just cut him. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, they like this dude. Yeah. So, it's one of those things, you know, like, there's a lot of potential. Even like Doug Martin in like Oakland, there, there's some potential there just in case Marshawn Lynch gets hurt. Yeah. Like, they actually reinvested in an offensive line. Marshawn Lynch had like, under radar, pretty decent year last year. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I, if I was Gruden, like you're trying to take off some of that pressure from Derek Carr. There's a guy right there that can help with that. Hopefully the motherfucker can actually rush for over three yards per carry, over 100 carries, you know. Yep. Motherfucker can't do it. You know, I don't know why. It's just – but it's one of those things where it's like dynasty football is such, so fucking weird because, like, you look at the guys who are at the top of our league and a lot of it, it's like one dude's team is just so fucking stacked. It's like, how the fuck is anyone going to beat him? Yeah. You know? uh, that's kind of how it is, too. And we have a bunch yep. of guys. And then it's like, I think that guy personally knows uh, a lot of these guys and knows what they're, you know, because it's like, I'll reach out to guys. For example, the guy that owns Delvin Cook. Yep. We talked about this. Yep. Doesn't really have a lot. Of, you know, he, he has a, a decent team, but doesn't really have a top-tier wide receiver. Doesn't really have this. Doesn't really have that. And I was like, you know, I have Latavius Murray on my bench. Again, a guy that's a question mark. If Dalvin Cook goes down, he's instantly one of the best running backs on my roster. But without Dalvin Cook going down, he's just kind of sitting there in la-la land. So yep. I reach out to the guy and I go, hey, man, you know, I have a bench full of guys that are question marks. So I don't know who I want to cut and who I don't. But I know that you have Dalvin Cook. So, like, personally, if I were you in realizing what had happened last year, Murray would be good to have on your bench because if Cook goes down, yep. he is instantly a, a, a starting star running back. Mm-hmm. So I go, you know what, dude, like second pick, maybe a third, you know, give me something. Oh, I, I don't want to do picks. Okay, yeah. well, you know, what – okay, how about Marquise Lee? No, no I don't want to do that. It's like I know that I – but I, I want him to understand. It's like, dude, like – I won a majority of my late season games last year because Latavius Murray picked up the slack when Delvin yep. Cook went down at the end. Like the, at the end of the year, Latavius Murray had like three consecutive games where he scored over twenty fantasy points, which is a lot in our league for yeah. one player to score. And he's just like not buying it. And I'm like, dude, like right now, if Delvin Cook goes down, you're fucked. That's just how your team is. Yeah. Like, do you not want to have a safety net? Like, help me. I want to do a trade. Like, I don't want this guy on my team. And it's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. It's like, motherfucker. And then all of a sudden, some trade happens, and all this blockbuster trade, and all these guys are getting better. And I'm just like, I can't fi- I can't figure it out. And yeah. then I get these shitty trades. It's like, hey, man, do you want fucking Thomas Rawls? I'll give him to you for your second-round pick. And it's like, no, fuck off. Yeah. That's how it is, though. That's just the weird thing about this league, you know. But God bless it, you know. It's fun. I have a good time. Yeah. But uh, we should probably close it up here. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to Grapple Talk. Uh, coming weeks, we are going to do uh, – uh, discussion topics uh, that I think are pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to uh, book our own show. So we're going to kind of sit down, start from the, the very bottom. If we were going to book our own show, what would we do? Kind of the tasks that we would take on hand. Basically, we're doing to, an EFED. We're doing an EFED. Yeah. And then uh, I think we're also going to, at some point, talk about what is your worth? Um, 
what, what is your worth in wrestling? We, we mm-hmm. talked about this a lot when Jesse was still on the road. We talked about it about myself quite a uh-huh. bit. You know, what is, what is it worth to, to travel across the state at, at an age you might be at? And uh, is it really worth it? We'll talk about that, uh, I think, for an entire well, episode. We got some good stuff. like, you know, positives and negatives on that one. So it's like, don't don't feel like we're just going to shit on your worth, you know, like that whole episode. A lot of it's just going to be like, maybe we'll do like numbers. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to talk numbers, you know, because numbers it. is a good thing to actually talk about. Yeah. So we're going to uh, discuss that in the coming episodes. Really excited stuff, you know. Uh, for the longest time, we've been doing kind of almost like a, a wrestling news show, I would say, where we kind of share things. Sometimes give our opinions on them, but otherwise we kind of just kind of gloss over them. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, we're going to try to start talking about things that we find uh, that our listeners would probably feel is relevant, right? Yeah, that they the can thing, relate to. I think things that like you know that actually perk our interest too, you know, because like we can sit here, we can preview every fucking WWE show until the cows come home. You know, we can break down pay-per-views, stuff like that. There's tons of podcasts that do that. We might sprinkle that shit in, you know, because, like, you got to, you know? It's part of the news thing, you know? It's like if you're watching, like, SportsCenter, you know, they got to do highlights of uh, that AAA, you know, Paul Tuckett team. You know, they got to do that every once in a while. We'll do that as well. But it's going to be one of those things where we're going to really have, like, discussions. We're going to have fun with this. And, you know, we want to kind of hear from you guys. So if, like, you have anything you want us to talk about, like, always hit us up. Yeah, or don't. Or don't because you don't fucking, fucking do it right five now. Five years that we've been doing this. So fuck but. you guys for your lack of interaction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we will close it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next week on Grapple Talk. Stay classy, folks.